Welcome to the Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. In our Advent Sermon Series, The Language of Christmas, we are unpacking five ways to show love to one another. Physical touch, words of affirmation, quality time, acts of service, and giving of gifts. Jesus lived a life of perfect love for God's people. The greatest responsibility and opportunity for a Christ follower is to practice loving God and neighbor like he loved us first. It's our prayer that the love of Christ will be the greatest gift in your home this Christmas. Now, tune in as we study what love is and how to show it. You know, sometimes in life week, we come up against these things that I like to kind of call things that are almost impossible to make happen. And you can work really, really hard, but it's just going to be virtually impossible for you to make it happen. For example, if you've ever tried to change your cable plan, it just doesn't happen. I mean, you, you literally get stuck in a matrix. That's where I am currently. I'm trying to make a change. And in the midst of that, you can't ever find anybody that can do that for you, or then they put you on some online chat, and they keep giving you these automated responses that aren't really helpful for what you need. And then perchance that you find a number, you call it, and you're asked to say representative, to speak to representative. And you say, representative, I'm sorry, we can't recognize your command. Representative. I'm sorry, these moments, and you're just thinking, I can't get anything accomplished. Even if I want it, what I'm trying to do, I cannot get this accomplished. And so there's lots of things that fall under that category. There's also things in life that are just kind of impossible to get. Impossible to get more of, impossible to find. I'm not the most pop culture savvy person, but it's my understanding that some of you guys waited hours a couple of weeks ago for Taylor Swift tickets that may or may have not ever existed. You know, and you're, you're trying to get these tickets and you thought that being in the pre-sale, the VIP Taylor Swift, you know, fan club would get you rights to some tickets and you're still waiting on those tickets to come. Maybe one that's a little bit closer to home for some of us. Isn't it interesting at Cracker Barrel? They used to really be in abundance with biscuits and cornbread. That used to hit your table like chips and salsa at a Mexican restaurant. And now you got to ask for them. And if they ask for them, they don't bring a whole basket of them like they used to. It's like one biscuit per person. And I'm like, I'm like a solid three biscuit, one cornbread kind of guy. And it's impossible to, to get more. This used to be just complimentary. It used to be something that would just come without me even having to ask. I've been thinking about these things over the past couple of weeks because they center on these, this, this concept in life that there's always something that I want more of, but yet I can't figure it out. Or there's something that I know I need to do, and it's impossible for me to figure out how to make that happen. Perhaps there's nothing that we could relate to more in this line of thinking than when it comes to time. Time is one of those things in life that I want more of it sometimes, but I can't find it. I can't get it. I want to better maximize my time. I want to use my time. I I, I want it to not just be wasted, and yet I can't find it. See, time, I believe, is the greatest equalizer of all people. Because one of the things that we come to realize is that every person on the face of this earth has 24 hours in the course of their day. Whether you are rich and famous or not, whether you are highly educated or not, whether you're married or single, whatever the case might be, the reality is we all have 24 hours in our day. We want more of it. We wish we could find more of it. Sometimes we're not happy with the way that we utilize it, but we all have the same amount of time. And our goal for today is to walk away with a deeper understanding of how to actually use that time because I'm not getting any more of it. 
In fact, I don't even know the amount of time that I have left, and so how do I maximize that? How do I utilize it to its fullest extent? What did Jesus model for us? How did Jesus show us the way that we should, you know, engage with our time? Why is this important for us in the first place? So I want you to know that I'm so, so thankful that you are here. In fact, seeing that time is such a precious commodity, I'm grateful that you gave us an hour of your time today. And my hope and my prayer is that God would change you in this process, not because of anything that happens up on this stage, but because of the power of the Holy Spirit working through this place, working through the Word, and that you would be changed and that you would walk away today not the same person that came in those doors because of what Jesus Christ wants to do. And I believe that that will happen if we open ourselves up to him and say, God, show me why you have brought me here today. Show me what it is that you want to teach me today. Help me to understand your word. Help me to understand what you're doing in my life. Help me to understand maybe some areas in my life that that need some readjusting. And help me to know how to have the courage to make those steps. So I'm so grateful that you're here. And I'd love to pray for us as we dig into God's word together. So Lord, thank you for this day. I thank you for every person who's here for the first time guests, for those that are checking out Rolling Hills, for those of us that have been serving here at Rolling Hills for years. I'm thankful for each and every person in this room. And I pray, God, that you would maximize our time together today and that you would show us what it is that you want to teach us in your word. And that we would walk away today changed, different because of you. And it's in the powerful name of Jesus Christ that we pray and ask all these things. Amen and amen. So we're in this incredible Christmas series called The Language of Christmas. And the language of Christmas is love. And so we're talking about how did God show us love through Jesus, but how are we also to show love to others in this season? And so we're using this resource called The Five Love Languages, which you may be familiar with. It's an incredible resource by Dr. Gary Chapman about the ways that we show love and the ways that we receive love. And we've already talked about words of affirmation. We've talked about physical touch. And today we're talking about quality time. And I have heard from many of you that this This is your love language. You like when people spend time with you. Maybe you have a child that has this as their love language. They feel the most loved whenever you're spending time with them. And I promise you, you will not be hard-pressed to find Scripture. There are lots of verses of Scripture where Jesus models for us the importance of quality time, about time with the Father and time with other people, hence why it's important to us. Because Jesus modeled us this for us, and Jesus showed us the example that we should follow. So I want to turn with you to James chapter 4. If you have a Bible, turn with me to James 4. You're going to see it up here on the screen as well. It's printed there for you on your worship guide. But I want you to listen to James chapter 4, verses 13 and 14. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Some of us thought we were really, really awesome, but according to Scripture, we're a mist. Wow, that's humbling. I thought I was incredible. I I, I thought I was just amazing. And the Bible says I'm a mist, I'm fog that appears for a little while and then is gone. Now, listen, you who say today or tomorrow, we'll go to this city, we'll do that, we'll spend the day doing that, we'll carry on business, we'll make money. Why? You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. Why? Because your life is a mist. If you keep going on in verse 15, it says, instead, rather what we should say is if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. Meaning I should wake up in the morning and say, God, thank you that it was your will for my life for me to be here today. And because you have me here today, I want to be used in whatever way it is that you would yearn to use me. Now, this may come as a shock to some of us, 
But do you know that you actually don't know what tomorrow holds, and that really drives some of us up the wall because we like to be in control. And we like to think that we're the one that's in charge of our destiny. We like to think that we're the one who's really calling all the shots in our life. But the reality is you don't know what tomorrow actually holds. Just yesterday, I was reminded of this. A friend of mine yesterday that had a heart attack, yesterday like 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And by 3 o'clock, he was at Williamson Medical Center. By 6 o'clock, he had already had a stent placed in his heart because of a blockage. And by 8 o'clock, I was visiting him in the critical care unit. He had already had dinner and was smiling and laughing and said to me, Jason, you just don't know what's going to happen in the course of a day. I woke up this morning, breakfast with family, thinking this was what my day was going to look like. I did not have stent in my heart on the agenda for today. And it served as such a stark reminder for me that you and I have no idea what tomorrow actually holds. We have no promise except in this moment. So the key to wisdom in this area of time, the key to wisdom in this area of time and how we really kind of gravitate and what we should really be focusing on when it comes to time, and you see this here on your notes, and maybe you want to follow along, maybe you want to write down some of these words, you can reflect upon them. In the week, to be wise is actually to understand that you have a set amount of time while not knowing how much time you actually have. <laughs> What's the key to wisdom, Pastor Jason? This is it, according to Scripture. One of the keys to wisdom is to understand that I have a set amount of time that has been determined by God, and I don't know how much time I actually have. Psalm chapter 90, verse 12 says, Teach us to number our days so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. I love this verse of Scripture. Teach us to number our days so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. What does wisdom look like in my life? Wisdom says, I want to number my days, and I want to realize that every day that I have is a gift from God. And I want to use that day to the maximum benefit to love God and to love other people, to spend quality time with God and quality time with other people. Now, you and I tend to think that we have all the time in the world, though, don't we? We tend to think, yeah, I'll get around to that at some point in time. From a spiritual perspective, that's where a lot of us are. Maybe God's stirring in your heart right now some step that he's asking you to take. Maybe it's to become a follower of Jesus Christ, and you've kept pushing that off, and you're saying, I just don't feel worthy about that. I just don't know if I'm really ready for that. And maybe this morning, through the power of the Holy Spirit, you would say, you know what? I realize for the first time that God's grace is sufficient for me. And I want to make note of that. I want to pray with someone about that. You can make a note of that on your card, and we will follow up with you this week. We would love to pray for you today if that's the next step that you want to take. Or maybe it's baptism. Maybe you're saying, I've never publicly made this profession of faith. Jesus Christ has changed my heart, and I've kind of just set on that news. I haven't shared it with the Lord. We celebrated baptism last Sunday. We're going to celebrate baptism next Sunday. Maybe that's a step that God's asking you to take, to say, I want to be buried, to identify symbolically the death of my sin, and to be raised anew walking with Jesus Christ. Maybe it's the relationships that you have. And you're saying, you know what, I've just been waiting on just the right time to walk across my street and meet my neighbors. You better be quick on that because people move a lot around here. You may be waiting on that, and here all of a sudden there's going to be a new set of neighbors before you ever have a chance to meet the ones that used to live there. How about when it comes to the people who live in your home? If you're a parent, it's your kids. If you're married, it's, it's your spouse. See, we tend to think that we have all the time in the world to invest in the things that we want to invest in, but the reality is our lives are but a mist. 
They're a vapor that is here for a little while and is gone. It's why this topic of quality time with God and quality time with others is so vitally important. So what greater gift then can you give someone than this gift that you don't know how much you actually have left? I think it's one of the greatest gifts you can give to someone. You're giving someone the gift that you really don't know how much of it you have left. You give someone an hour of your time, unbeknownst to you, that might be the last hour that you ever have. It's why this gift of time and quality time with people is really, really special. It's very unique because you can't buy more of it. If you want to buy someone a gift, then all that really takes is money. And if you don't have enough money to buy the gift, guess what? You can get more. You really can. There's lots of banks that would love to loan it to you. There's side hustles. There's jobs that you can get. If you want to buy someone a gift and it costs $1,000 and you have $500, there's a way for you to come up with $500 extra. It's simple economics. I don't have enough. I can get more. Enter this concept of time, not so much. You can't add more because it's already predetermined by God how much you have. So it's about how do I use it? See, that's why it's important for us to realize that based on that knowledge alone, based on that knowledge alone, love then can be spelled T-I-M-E. Love can be spelled T-I-M-E. It's one of the most amazing ways for us to show love to other people is the time that we spend with them. I love this quotation from Rick Warren. He says, and I quote, the best use of life is love. The best expression of love is time. And the best time to love is now. It's just so good. Seeing the best use of life is, is to love, to grow in, in love. The best expression of that love is time, and the best time for me to love other people is right now. See, life is all about loving God and loving others. And the best way to show that is through time. And how much time do I have? I don't know, right now. It's what I have right now, and I'm not promised anything beyond that. So what are the best ways for us to go about doing that? What are some of these keys, you know, these, these characteristics, these, these keys to understanding, if you will, this concept of quality time? How do I grow in my understanding of quality time? Well, one of the first things that I think we have to all come to realization with is that everyone is busy. Don't you guys love that person that's in your life right now that just reminds you how much busier they are than you? Can we just all unofficially say we're all busy? We get it. But what do we all have? Two, four hours, 24 hours in our day. I'm actually quite burdened, much like I'm sure many of you are, how busyness has become such a badge of honor for us. It's really the only way that we feel significant in life is if we're running, you know, at its breakneck speed, 24, 7, 365. And that's how we feel meaning, or that's how we feel important. We pride ourselves in thinking this is the only way that I can live, and perhaps, just perhaps, God has a different story, and God has a, a different story, a healthier story, a better story that he wants to write in our life. Secondly, if we really want to understand quality time, we've got to come to grips with the fact that I can and should say no to some things. I give you full permission this morning. You can say no to things. Sometimes we don't think we can. We don't think we can say no on behalf of our kids. We don't think that we can say no to whatever is coming our way. But the reality is, we're going to say no to things all the time. The question is, are we saying no to the right things or the wrong things? Because sometimes the yeses in our life means that we're actually saying no to the things that really matter the things that will really grow us, the things that will really help us to become who it is that God has made us to be. 
And lastly, to grow in this concept of quality time, the harsh reality is it takes work. It really does take work. And if you were looking for kind of the quick fix, the, the easy A plus B equals C on this, I can't give that to you this morning because it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of work to grow in my understanding of quality time and to spend that quality time with God and, of course, to show that quality time and to give of that quality time to others. You see this here on your notes, but quality time with Jesus and quality time with others most likely happens with intentionality. Quality time with Jesus and quality time with others most likely happens with intentionality. Ephesians 5, 15, and 16 says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. This is Paul to the church at Ephesus. He says, Be careful how you live. I want you to live in a wise manner and not in an unwise manner. Remember what Psalm 90, 12 said about wisdom? That wisdom comes when we number our days. So that's a key to wisdom. And here's another key to wisdom. I want you to live with wisdom, not a lack of wisdom. So to live with wisdom, you've got to make the most of every opportunity. Why? Because the days are evil. What does that whole concept of the days are evil mean? It means that there's a real enemy out there and that the enemy's tactics are to destroy your life. The enemy's tactics are to make your life miserable. The enemy's tactics are to make you think that you are in charge of everything. The enemy's tactics are to make you think that you can't spend time on the things that really matter. That you have to be, you know, you have to just kind of follow suit like everyone else when God's saying, no, I have something different for you. I don't want you to squander those opportunities in front of you. I want you to, in fact, make time for the things that matter the most. And when we do that, according to scripture, protection from the evil one comes. These hedges of protection are built in our life, and we're able to fend off the attacks of the enemy. Now, what I'm about to say is probably not very popular, but the reality is that the enemy is having a heyday with some of our schedules. Because we're running at a pace that's not healthy, we're running at a pace that is not um, going to produce in us what we know God wants to produce in our life. And in fact, it might be inadvertently, you know, doing some things in our life that, that we don't even want to talk about. And so what might need to happen in some of our lives this morning is we might need to have a hard reboot. It's kind of like if your internet stops working, what do you do? Just unplug everything. That's the, that's, that's, if you get a hold of a representative, that's what they'll tell you to do first. <laughs> have you unplugged everything? It's kind of like when I was growing up, you know, as a kid, many of you had a Nintendo. When that Nintendo game wasn't working, what did you do? You pop that Nintendo game out, and something about it, I'm still convinced that today it is that puff of air that made that Nintendo game work. <laughs> that was the reboot. That was, I don't need to unplug this. It just needs a whew. And all of a sudden, Duck Hunt is working again. <laughs> it's this moment of, I need to stop. I need to assess the situation. And I need to possibly say, something has to change. I believe in all my heart that God's wanting to do something this morning in our lives. I know he's wanting to do something in my life in regards to what I'm talking about today. And perhaps he's wanting to do something in your life to just simply evaluate and say, am I really maximizing the time to the fullest extent? But see, quality time with Jesus and quality time with others, it happens with intentionality. 
I want you to get in your mind right now somebody that you really look up to. Maybe it's someone that spiritual life seems really, really strong, and you want to have that kind of life. I would encourage you, reach out to them. Ask them if you can take them to coffee. Ask them about some of the steps that they've taken in their life, and I will assume that most of those people will tell you that they have prioritized intentional time with Jesus. They'll probably be able to tell you. They'll be able to show you the discipleship book that they use. They'll be able to show you a reading plan that they go through. They'll probably be able to tell you, yeah, I get up every morning 30 minutes before I have to to spend time with God. Many of them will actually say, this is the chair that I sit in. I go to the same place in my house every day at the same time using some kind of structured plan to help me grow. And why do they do that? Because they realize that that quality time is not going to happen without intentionality. And so you and I can follow their example. I mean, think about your own life. Think about the things in your life that you're really the most successful in. Maybe it's work or family relationships, or maybe it's something that you've been able to accomplish in your life, some award that you have won, whatever the case might be. Whatever those things are that you're really, really successful at, you are showing me something that you have built systems around. You have built some kind of structure. You have some kind of spreadsheet in your life that helps you keep track of those things, that helps you stay on track, that helps you stay on course. Why would we not build structure around the things in our life that are actually the most important, loving God and loving people. Why would we not say, I want to prioritize that? You know what? I want to do the hard work of building a system in my life that helps me know how to do that. And that system means I'm going to set the alarm. I'm going to get up (laughs) and I'm going to spend that time with God. Or I'm going to prioritize the relationships that I have with other people. Because see, the most successful things in our life are these habits that we have built some structure around. It would stand to reason. If I plan to do it, I'm most likely going to do it. So find ways to do this in your relationship. Maybe you have that friend that you've been yearning to spend some quality time with, and every time you see them, the conversation always ends with, we need to get together sometime. You guys have been there, right? We need to get together sometime. How about saying, how about December 16th? (laughs) How about January 3rd? How about fill in the blank, whatever date, opposed to just saying, It's being an idea, but let's actually make it happen. How about in the closest of relationships you have? If you're married, that's your spouse. If you're a parent, your wife or your husband or your kids. How about prioritizing quality time with them? Putting dates on the calendar, saying we need to get away, and this is the weekend we're going to do it. And we're going to protect that date so that the slurry of activity that comes our way 24-7 doesn't get in the way of what I know is truly the most important. How about looking ahead at the church calendar and looking ahead at the things that you want your family to be involved in and saying, I'm going to put that on my calendar and protect it. And I'm not going to allow the things that just come 90 miles an hour in my life to prevent me from saying no to something that I know I really should be saying yes to. And then what happens in our life is we then begin to see where margin comes, and we begin to change our pace a little bit, and we begin to see these moments of quality time, and we begin to see the benefits that are reaped in our life as a result of us spending time with God and with others. And the reality is God has something for all of us to grow in this, and my hope and prayer is that we would be sensitive to how it is that he wants to grow us in these areas. But it's also important for us to know because there's, there's something else that we got to say. Sometimes we'll say, well, you know, I'm really, really close to people, so therefore I must be spending quality time with one another. I mean, I've been married for 40 years. We've lived in the same house. 
So clearly, we spend a lot of quality time. Or I make sure that these kids, you know, are always fed and they always have, they have clothes. I mean, it's the middle of winter and they want to wear shorts to school every day. But, you know, we're going to choose our battles. Um, but they're fed and, and they're here. And so we're really, really close. So therefore, we must be spending quality time together. The reality is, and you see this here on your screen, proximity alone doesn't equal quality time. Proximity alone doesn't equal quality time. Proximity is good, and you should seek to be close. But proximity alone doesn't equal quality time, much like I can put this Bible under my pillow and sleep on it every night and not grow in my relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm close to the Word. And you can drive up in the parking lot of the church and just kind of stand here and let the aura of the building, you know, pour over you, and you're not going to grow in your walk with Jesus. You can be in the same house with someone for years and be in close proximity and have never spent much quality time together. And I love that Jesus gives us an example of this. It's one of my favorite stories. It's in Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. Listen to this story. Maybe you've heard it before. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. You see yourself in this story. You're either the Mary or the Martha. Martha is someone that a lot of us can identify with. Jesus is in the home of Mary and Martha, and Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus, being in his presence, not just proximity, but being in his presence, listening to him, talking to him, and Martha is in there mad comes to Jesus and says, you need to talk to Mary. The casserole is burning. This house is not clean enough. We have got preparations. The Savior of the world is here. She's leaving me out here to do all this work by myself. Some of y'all identify with Martha. There's actually a great book out there called Becoming a Mary in a Martha World. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing. But you can relate to this because you're sitting here thinking, do, do, do. I just got to do all this stuff. And Jesus stops the situation and says, Martha, I want you to look at your sister because what she is doing will not be taken away from her. Few things are needed. Only one thing is needed, and that is being in not just proximity to me, but in relationship with me. And for some of us, we've been close to Jesus. We've been in proximity with Jesus. We've not been in a relationship with Jesus. And Jesus is saying, I want to be in relationship with you. I don't want to just be close to you. I want you to realize that I am your all in all. I died so that you could have life and freedom and peace and to not have to, to be following the agenda of the world anymore, but following what it is that I have for you. See, that's what Jesus is trying to teach us. That's what Jesus is trying to remind us. That's what Jesus wants us to understand this Christmas season is that God sent his one and only son, so that we could have life. The story of Christmas is love coming down. God sending his son, Emmanuel, to be with us, to be not just close to us, but to be in relationship with us, to be our savior. But sometimes in our own personal relationships, 
we realize that there's some areas for us to grow in this as well. Because see, proximity alone doesn't equal quality time. Sometimes we think, you know, because we work in the same office or, you know, we're family, then therefore we must be spending that quality time together. Whereas Gary Chapman says in this resource, The Five Love Languages, that quality time is also distraction-free time. It's not time where I'm distracted, but rather it's time when I'm present, when I'm looking you in the eye, and when I'm having a conversation with you, and when we're growing together. And what happens if we don't prioritize this quality time? If we don't prioritize quality time with God, and if we don't prioritize quality time with others, you see this here on your notes, but a lack of quality time in your relationships will always be felt. It will. A lack of quality time in your relationships will always be felt. A lack of quality time in your relationship with Jesus Christ, that will be felt. It's why Jesus modeled this for us. Mark 1.35, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, he left the house, and he went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Jesus, fully God, fully man, modeled for us what it meant to be in a relationship with his Father. Because he wanted us to follow that example. He wanted us to stay close in that relationship with God. And you and I are instructed to do the same thing. See, the same thing is true about relationships. If we don't prioritize quality time, it will always be felt in our closest of relationships, starting with our family. We've got to realize how valuable that time that we spend is and how we never get it back and how to make the most of it. I've talked to um, counselors about this before. I've talked to therapists about this before, people who know a lot more about this topic than I ever would. And what many of them are telling me is that we're seeing for the very first time just the really negative impacts on family dynamics when quality time isn't spent. And what's happening in some of our family dynamics, because instead of choosing quality time as a family, you know, we're choosing to just kind of be close to one another. Or allowing, you know, so many screens into our life to um, parent our children opposed to us doing that. And if you're in that situation, um, I would encourage you to just say, is what I'm doing really working? Because the reality is, sometimes we see what, what's happening, we see the anxiety that's on the rise, and we see how overstimulated everyone is, and maybe we've never taken time to connect some of those dots. And saying, is it possible that what we're reaping is of some habits that need to be changed? But what actually happens when we spend less time together and more time apart? What happens when we're just in proximity, but not actually in relationship? The reality is it can have some really negative effects. And those of you that manage people, you know this. If you're a manager at your work, or if you have a team of people that you're responsible for, you know you have those moments in your office. Maybe you're the one that's in charge. And you have those moments when you kind of sense that the overall attitude of the office is just getting a little sour. You know, people are kind of at each other, and they're kind of chatting and whatnot. What good managers do, it's why you build money in your budget called team building. (laughs) What do good managers do? People who own their own businesses, when the team's kind of getting sour, they say, you know what? We're all going to go grab lunch. We're going to pay for everybody's lunch. We're all going to go bowling. We're going to have a Christmas party. Whatever the case might be, you do those moments because you realize we've not really spent some quality time together. And many times what will happen is that little breakfast together or that lunch together will yield great dividends because people just needed to be with 
one another. And the reality is, many times in our family dynamics, we've got to say, you know what, I, I feel like something might need to change. Or, or maybe we're just not where we need to be. And perhaps you're burdened by some of those choices, and you're saying, you know what, I, we want to do something different today. Maybe as a family, it's entirely possible to say, we can drive in the car without watching a movie. It's possible. Now, if you're going to Florida, I get it. But is it, possi- is it just entirely possible that we could drive from our home in Ballinger Farms to Kroger without watching Bluey? Is it possible? <laughs> is it possible that we could go to Cracker Barrel where they don't give you enough biscuits and actually enjoy conversation without screens involved? Is it possible that that could be something that we could do? Is it possible that when a kid is acting out, we would say, you know what, maybe there's something that will calm them more or will actually calm their heart and calm their soul more than a screen? Because what will a screen do if a kid is acting out? It calms them, but it doesn't calm their heart. It doesn't really calm their soul. What calms their soul is you. God gave them to you as a gift. And he perfectly knitted them together to have you as their parents, their aunts and uncles, their grandparents. There's something about your presence that calms them and lets them know everything's going to be okay. And we're in this together. We're a family. And we're working through those things. And perhaps you're feeling some anxiety. Perhaps you're feeling some angst about what we're talking about today. And if you are, then maybe that's the Holy Spirit saying, does something need to change? Is there, is there something about the dynamic that needs to change? Is there something about my relationship with Jesus Christ that's not as strong as it needs to be? So God, give me the courage today to make those changes. Maybe there's something about my relationships with people that's just not where I want it to be. And I know it. I know it's in my heart. And God, give me the courage today. Maybe that's your prayer. God, give me the courage today to grow to stop some things, to implement some things. What does that time look like with Jesus in your life? What does that intentional quality time with others look like in your life? Because the reality is we have 24 hours and we are not promised one beyond where we're right now. So what does it look like for us as a body of believers, as men and women who are in this together, who are not here to judge one another, who are not here to shoot arrows at one another, but are here to say, Let's collectively grow in this together and see what happens. See what happens in our community. See what happens in that dynamic of our relationships and see what happens in the kingdom as a result of me spending the quality time with God and with others. And so if you're here and there's something that needs to change, I hope that you'll be willing to do it. Or if there's some area that needs a little bit of refinement, perhaps today would be the day that you would say, I'm going to step into that because God will use those steps of obedience like he has before and like he will in the future. And I pray each and every one of us will see ourselves in that story and make the changes that he's asking us to make. That's the end of this episode on the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast, part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network. Before you go, we invite you to think about who you could share this sermon with. Click the subscribe button so you can be notified each time we release a new sermon. 
Did you know Rolling Hills publishes other podcasts too? Check out the Making History Parenting Podcast, Men's Leadership Network, and the RH Women's As You Go Podcast. If you're interested in learning more about Rolling Hills, download our app, follow us on social media, or visit our website at rollinghills.church. And lastly, from the church family to your family, Merry Christmas.